Well, we want to welcome you to celebration this morning. And if you're a first-time guest, don't be overwhelmed. It's okay. Things will calm down in just a moment. We also want to welcome those that are joining from one of our campuses or from our online campus, as we call it, and one of the 13 correctional facilities in the Austin Metroplex. Come on, Celebration Church. Say hello to everyone that is joining us right now. Awesome. So we are in a series. We're calling it Advent Christmas at Celebration. And, of course, churches all over the world are recognizing Advent, which simply means the arrival or the coming of Jesus. How many know when you go to the airport to pick up somebody, you look for what? You look for the arrivals. You're looking to see if they made it. How many know Jesus made it? And when he made it, when he came, and he's still here in his word, we know that in Christ was first hope, that Christ came to bring us hope. We talked about the hope that is in Christ. And then secondly, we talked about the joy that is in Christ. When he came, joy came. And then today we're going to be talking about the third portion of Advent, and that is in Christ we have peace. This morning, I was on my way to church, and I was driving to church, and I began to notice on my dashboard a red light. In fact, it began to scream at me that my tire pressure was low on my left front tire. The other three tires, in fact, they were beautiful. They were perfect. They were 32. But on the left front tire, it was 15 pounds. And I was thinking, do I stop or do I keep going? Do I just power through and make it to church? Or do I pull over like a normal human being should and take care of it? I do what probably you do. I powered through it. And I'm going to set up my message today around peace because I think a lot of us are powering through pressure problems. There's a red light maybe on the dashboard of your heart. And it is saying, pull over. It is saying that you are in a problem. Or maybe you are panicking. You are full of anxiety. There's, a, there's an issue. And like all of us, guess what we do? We try to just keep going. We keep driving. We don't stop. And today I pray that if you walked into this place or you're watching somewhere or at some time in your life, this message, when we're talking about peace, can I just tell you, Jesus came to handle what all of us have to handle and what all of us have to deal with, and that is sometimes in the form of anxiety, in the form of depression, in the form of confusion, and all that goes with life. Can I just tell you, we just keep going until we end up like another celebrity in a hotel room taking our lives. Because guess what? We don't want to stop. We don't want to get help. We don't want to talk about it. We don't want to address it. On the outside, if you looked at my car, you would think it's a perfect car. When I got into my car, everything was great. But guess what? On the inside, inside that left front tire, there's a problem. So as I talked about this in the first service and just not even really planning on it because it was just in the moment, I feel like God gives our best illustrations in our experiences. Can I hear an amen? And so I, after the first service, walked to the back and somebody had gone and bought this for me, an all-purpose inflator. It's interesting. It's called slime. I don't know if that's a good one. But I can inflate all your tires and your toys. Somebody went out and said, Pastor Joe, 
We're going to stop and address that situation. And guess what? They did, and they found a nail in that tire. Now, my prayer for you, if you walked in here with a nail in your spirit, because the reality is we're being, if you will, we're all being nailed with something. We're all being hit. We're all facing something. And if we don't address it, and of course, this is what God came to address for all of us. And that is peace. We're going to be talking about the subject of peace today. And as I get into this, I want to also highlight another situation that we've read about in the newspaper. And you may be the largest Bitcoin dealer in the world. And I'm for it. Go. You go, girl. But I want to say this. It's amazing how the world will throw billions of, give billions of dollars to people that lives on some island, some man-child that nobody really knows without accountability, and give all their money and all their hard work and all their time. They'll just put all their trust in a person that has no accountability, and then they yell and they scream and they make fun of Christians who put their trust in a man named Jesus. It's amazing to me. It's amazing that maybe the largest scandal in the history of our world may be happening. And it was all because of who they put their trust in. And then they say to us as believers, you trust Jesus? Listen, he didn't live on an island. He lived right among us. He got right into our world. He came down and he dwelt among us and he showed us who he was. And he started in a stable so that he could identify with every single one of us. And I just want to challenge you today. Who do you put your trust in? Who do you put your hope in? Who do you put your joy in? And like our angel just said, I pray that you experience Jesus every day. How many know that's a word from God right there? Because this is not once a year or once a season. And so today I want us to get into the subject of what Jesus came to bring us and what is in his nature. He's called, in fact, Avery just said it, he's called the what? The Prince of Peace. It's his nature. It's his, it's his business. The Bible tells us in Luke 179, he came to shine upon those, and of course it's the world. The world's in darkness. He came to shine to those and to show his light in a dark world in the shadow of death, in other words, we're all in the shadow of death. It's not if you're going to die, it's, it's when you're going to die. We all live in the shadow of death. Oh, wonderful news for you this morning. Hallelujah. But it is a shadow that sits behind us all. And it's going to come. But then he says this, but he came to guide our feet in the path or in the way of peace. That even in darkness, we have peace. Even in the shadow of death, we have peace. Even in the loss of tire pressure, we have peace. He's our pump today, but he's not slimy. Would you hold this, Pastor Rick? Give it back to me after I'm finished in Jesus. No, you've got to give it back to me. He says, I've come to give you peace. I've come to show peace. Now, understand something. Peace is not something you can fabricate. Peace is not something you can have in this world. It's not something that comes by way of anything circumstantial or situational or worldly. If he's the prince of peace, if he's, if he's the lord of peace, the master of peace, he is the originator of peace. 
So there is no other source of peace. Yet we look for peace in our provision. We look for peace in people. We look for peace in news. We look for peace in our jobs. We look for, for peace in, in our teams. And I'm not going to say anything about our soccer game going on right now. I've been warned by several of you who think soccer is football. It's not football. It's a kickball. But I want to say that often this is where we're deceived. And this is what we fall to. We fall literally, we fall victim to what the world says is peace. And then yet we're driving down the highway of life. We're driving, we're moving, we're going. And we've got dashboards screaming at us. And our dashboard can be in the form of, of course, how God speaks to us and how he reveals to us our emotions. Dashboards and dash signals, if you will, red lights and all the various things that our cars have now today, these are all indicators. Your emotion is an indicator of where you are. And, of course, how does it manifest? It manifests in depression, manifests in sadness, manifests in tears. God is the God who has given us emotions. We know Jesus wept at the graveside of Lazarus. We can talk about the grief that God felt. He was burdened. He was weighed down like with you and I. He was assaulted with every temptation, yet we know he didn't sin. But he felt it in his emotions. He can feel what we feel. And I know that in this room or watching online, someone is dealing with very difficult levels of depression. Anxiety could be in the form of a panic attack. And you go through and you just keep going through it because you can't stop. you got too much responsibility. you got too many people depending on you, much like me driving on a bad tire today. Because I know some of y'all wouldn't pull over if you saw me be like, ah. ah. <laughs> Luke 2.14 tells us, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among men among women, among people, watch this, with whom he is pleased. There's a clarifying word there. Peace on earth, but let's clarify it, with those who walk with him, with those who bring pleasure to him. How do you bring pleasure to God? It's by simply coming to him and saying, I acknowledge and I admit and I know that I don't have peace. I don't have salvation. I don't have forgiveness of sins unless you give it to me. Unless you come into my world, God. And that's what God came down to do, to come into your world and to speak to you so that you could have peace. And so by receiving, by acknowledging, by coming to this place, I admit I got a red light. I got an issue. I got an indicator. I got something screaming. I got a nail. And I pray that this Christmas... I pray that today might be the greatest, not just the greatest day, this will be the greatest Christmas you've ever had. You know why? Because we're going to handle that red light that's screaming to you. That soul issue, that heart issue, that fear issue, that, that panic attack, that thought that you may be thinking right now, you know what, if I just left, it would leave me. And it doesn't work that way. Because we are eternal beings. And there are also people who are left in the wake of our decisions. So let's talk about what God came to give us in this 
peace, the God of peace. He's the God of peace. In other words, he's the originator. He's the progenitor of peace. He's the father of peace. So again, peace can't come from this world. The Bible says in Isaiah 57, watch this, in verses 20 and 21, it says the wicked, but he's describing a world without God. He's describing a world, he's describing a person without God. In other words, wickedness is not just in the form of very bad people. It can be people that say, I don't need God. I am good by myself. I'm good without God. That's a form of wickedness. In other words, I don't need God. I don't want God. I'm good without God. And that's what he's describing there. It's not necessarily the the presence of bad things. How many know pride is the chief of them all? And he goes, the world that says, I don't need God, they're like the tossing sea. For it cannot be what? It cannot be quieted. It cannot be still. It cannot calm down. How many have ever been caught in an undertow? And you know what I'm talking about, where all of a sudden you're thinking, I'm fine. I'm on the edge of the beach. I got a drink with an umbrella. And that umbrella turns into a problem. And the next thing you know, you're beginning to be pulled. You're beginning to go to places and the thoughts that you didn't want to go to. It happens. That's the world that we live in. Now let's go a little bit deeper. He says, the waters toss up refuse and mud. In other words, it gets muddy. It gets dirty. It gets harsh. It's difficult. And then he says in verse 21, there is no peace, says my God, for the wicked. In other words, there's no peace in a world or in a life without God. There's no way that it can come. Why? Because only in Christ is there peace. The Bible says, for those who set their mind on the flesh and the things of the flesh versus those who set their mind on the spirit, watch this, For the mindset on the flesh only produces death. Or the mind that is set on the world. In other words, it's living for today. It lives for now. It just has no, it has no regard for eternity. has no regard for what may be on the other side. He says this, but the mindset on the spirit is life and peace. Because the mindset on the flesh is hostile towards God. It does not subject itself to the law of God, for it is not even able to do so. For those who are in the flesh can't please, can't know, can't walk with God. So what he's saying there is that this law of peace is connected to the law of life in Christ Jesus. And so no matter how hard we try, no matter where we go, there's not enough. It'll never satisfy. The red light will stay on and it will scream. And then guess what? We try to attempt to do it by healing and by healing ourselves and by delivering ourselves or consuming for ourselves a world that only will bring more and more mud. I think it's kind of interesting that the box that they gave me was slime. And I thank God. Whoever brought that gift to me, thank you. I love it. And I will go and use it. But i got to get the nail out of my tire first. And I think there is the object. Some of us are airing ourselves with religion and you still got a nail in your tire. You're putting air. You're putting things into your life. And guess what? You still got a nail. 
And that's where Romans 14 and 17, watch this now, guys. Here's the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is righteousness. The kingdom is righteousness. It's not eating and drinking. It's not airing yourselves up with food and with cookies, though I'm going to do it. Oh, bring me cookies. Bring me everything and anything with a chocolate chip in it. Or sugar. I will take anything that you bring to me. We've started. See, there's a sugared up child right now that is. Security. Last night, someone sent us a box of this incredibly handmade popcorn. Pepper mint popcorn. You have never in your life. Early in the day, I said, Lori, let's throw it away. She goes, no, let's keep it. We'll have a house full of people. I said, if it's here at 10 o'clock, it's going to be consumed by me. How many are really good during the day? And then the Bible says men do their evil deeds at night. That peppermint popcorn is sitting right here on the love portion of my life but bring it. But let's watch this. The kingdom of God is not about airing yourselves up with righteousness that is derived from your flesh or your own works and your own labor, eating and drinking. What is Paul saying? He is saying that there were people that he was addressing that said, if you don't eat this and if you don't eat that, or if you do eat this and you do eat that, you're going to be righteous with God. If you stop doing this, and you stop doing that, you're going to be righteous with God. And God said, that's not the kingdom. Kingdom is not in eating and drinking. Let's go a little bit deeper. He says, but it is in righteousness. It is in not just righteousness, but then it produces a peace and it produces a joy. What is he saying? The kingdom of God has a law. And the law says you cannot have peace and you can't have joy until you get the nail out of it, which means you got to be right with God. And as soon as you're right with God, as soon as you understand that with God in Christ came the one who paid your penalty. He paid your ransom. He, he brought to you what you couldn't bring to God, and that is righteousness. The Bible says when you acknowledge and you confess Him as Lord and Savior and believe in your heart, the Bible says the same power that raised Christ from the dead will raise you from your dead trespasses. And now He fills you with peace. Why? Because it's the peace of God. That comes by way of the peace with God. See, there's two pieces in the Bible. There is the of God and there is with God. And until you have peace with God, you can't have the peace of God. And he came to bring us this peace. And I want to jump to a story that is, a well, for today's illustration from Luke chapter 10, I want to, I want to turn Bethany into a Christmas village. And it's the story of Jesus. As we talk about Advent, it's the coming or the arrival of Jesus. The Bible says Jesus is traveling. He's, he's preaching. He's ministering. And he enters. There it is. He arrives. He comes to a village. This is Bethany. And there in that village, there's a woman by the name of Martha. And it says, Martha welcomed him into her home. So it's almost as though Jesus comes into a city, he comes into a season or a situation, 
And Martha welcomes or receives him. The Bible tells us Jesus came to the world, but his own did not receive him. And to many as, as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. In other words, an airplane can come and pick you up here, or a helicopter can come and pick you up. Only those who receive or those who get on that airplane are going to fly. You just can't say, I believe in air travel. You got to get on it. So Jesus comes and he offers and he brings himself, of course, the gift of salvation, the gift of life. He comes into this village and there was Martha and she welcomed, she received. In other words, she took notice that this was not an ordinary man. Again, differentiating between the rest of the village. Why didn't the rest of the village receive him? Why didn't the rest of the village acknowledge him? Maybe that's why you're here today. You came either by threat that somebody said, if you don't go, you don't eat, so you came. But you probably came because there's something that you want to know about this man. And Martha wanted to know more about this man. Martha, we know, loved Jesus, but she welcomed him probably wanting to know a little bit more about the man. So as she welcomes him into her home, she had a sister named Mary. How many know this is a Catholic family? My mother's Catholic. And so if you're from a Catholic background, how many from a Catholic background or have Catholic fa- Somebody's Mary in your house. My mother's sister was Mary Joy. So everyone has to be a Mary or somebody has to be a Mary if you're a real Catholic. So here we have Mary. This is not the same Mary, of course, the virgin Mary, but Martha's sister Mary. It says as Jesus is welcomed into the home, and I'm sure he was brought into the living area and sitting there, it says that Mary, Mary was seated at the Lord's feet. So somewhere over time, Martha, Martha didn't sit. Martha just stayed busy. Martha, with Jesus, the gift in her house, in her life, in her world, the gift of God, the package, not from Bezos, from, from the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the greatest Amazon delivery that has ever come to the world is in her home, but Martha is not with Jesus. Martha is busy. Martha is about working. She's about ministering, not just to, of course, to the atmosphere, but she's just taking care of a lot of issues. But Mary is seated, listening. Notice these words, seated at the Lord's feet, listening to what? His word. But Martha was distracted with all of her preparations. Now watch what happens. Distracted with all of her preparations. Divided. Divided with all of her preparation, All of her activity. All of her work is only really, frankly. And now again, let's get back. This is Christmas Village, Bethany style. And her world is so filled with all sorts of preparations. It's not enough to have 10 gifts. We got to have 30 gifts. We got to go more. We got to get more. We got to have more. And so here's my Martha spirit. And I really want to call this message do you want a Martha Christmas or a Merry Christmas? Martha was distracted with her prep, and she came to Jesus. Now watch what happens when a, when a human being, a woman, a man, is distracted or divided or, if you will, disconnected from God. There are two people that suffer when you are not in connection, right connection with God. The first one is God suffers. You do not care about me. See, this is what happens to people. 
when they don't have peace. And they don't have peace because you're going to see it in just a moment. You've got a woman who is just consumed with having more, consumed with this world. Oh, I know she loves God. I know that she is not against God. I know that she probably confesses Jesus as Savior. I do have no question that her name's in the Lamb's Book of Life. But listen, she's only interested in getting out. She's not interested in getting in. Israel was delivered out of Egypt so he could bring them into the what land? The promised land. See, there was a generation that came out of Egypt, but they never went into the promise. They never entered into peace. They stayed in war. They stayed in the desert. They stayed confused. They stayed in turmoil. Listen, probably the majority of Christians are Marthas. You've welcomed Jesus. You want Jesus. But there is a certain level that you have come to Jesus or that there's a certain level of intimacy that you've experienced with Jesus and you're still without peace. You're still anxious. You're still distracted. You're still divided. You you just got a lot going on in your world. And so the first thing and the first attack always is, God, where are you? And God goes, what are you talking about? I'm in your house. Now watch this. Lord, you don't care. And then the second thing is, my sister. How many have a bossy sister? Let me see your hand. I'm not saying guys are not bossy, but I've heard a lot about girls. Don't be pointing. I see some pointing. I see some pinching. Guess who receives the fruit of our distractions and our anxiety and our depression that often comes from trying to live in this world at a level that you're never called to live in. The second person is those that are the closest to you. It's your family. See, the first thing that suffers is your faith. The second thing that suffers is family. And guess what? Then you begin to attack people. Now, I'm going to bring it all together because as Jesus is now talking to this woman and now Martha is now blaming God, you don't care, and now he's blaming the, she's blaming the sister because she's sitting on her spiritual butt. Now, I know I probably shouldn't say that, but that's the truth. That's what she's saying. She's sitting there listening to the Bible, listening to the Word, listening to this message, and I'm over here taking care of the house. I'm cooking. I'm cleaning. I'm buying, I'm shopping, and nobody cares about me. Yeah, but you've cooked a turkey, you've cooked a ham, you've cooked a brisket. Stop. No more. That's the world. It's the tossing of the mud and the refuse. And there's no peace. World, world, world. Now watch this. But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha. He didn't say her name because he loved her name. He said her name because she didn't listen the first time. I think it went like this. Now, I know a soft answer turns away wrath. I know that probably the leading edge or the leading theological thought is he went like this. Martha, Martha. I don't think it. I think when you're talking to somebody that's out of control, he went, Martha, Martha. Jesus did turn over tables, so don't tell me he didn't have a side. 
Hey, 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 hey. Martha, Martha. Now watch what he says. You, I love how the Lord does this. You, you, you. This is you. This is not me, and this is not your sister Mary. This is your choosing. You are where you are by your choosing, by your pick, by your going down this road of the world when it comes to preparing the Christmas season. You're worried and you're bothered about so many things. You know what the word there means? Perturbed. Now, I'm going to tell you what happened in the first service. The word perturbed, it's, it's the word that many of you would say, and I don't say it because it shouldn't be said in church. It starts with a P. Blank off. But in the first service, I said, I'm not going to use the pissed off word. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> and I, I repent again. I'm just going to repent again. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said it. But you think it. That's what the word means. She is perturbed. Have you ever been perturbed? You ever been P word? Off? She's mad. She's angry. This is Christmas. This is supposed to be happy. This is supposed to be angels and shepherds and baby Jesus. This is supposed to be cookies and cakes and winter wonderland. And after Christmas, you want to you walk away from God and walk away from your family because everybody's made you mad. You know why? Because peace is not found. All of the stuff that I'm not against, I'm not against it. But I do believe the enemy and our world has a way to throw us into a frenzy that causes us to disconnect from God and it disconnects us from people and we end up in hotel rooms taking our lives. I don't know all the, in fact, I don't know any of it, but what you and I see. But I've been around enough people that there's a pattern. And what he is saying to Martha is, Martha, Martha, I'm going to tell you what's happening to you. You're bothered, you're perturbed. That literally means you are alarmed, you're confused, you're, you're just, you're out of control by everything that you've allowed to come into your life, and you don't have any peace. Now watch this. It has now gone into everything. Isn't it amazing that when you get into this state of panic, when you get into this state of, of depression and anxiety, when, when it's all if you will, all falling down on you, the cares of this world, it starts to affect everything, even good stuff. And in a really simple elementary uh, illustration, for those that are golfers, any golfers out there, do I have any help? In, yes. Or, or how about my fishermen? We're my fishermen and hunters. Okay, take any hobby. Or how about if you're a shopper? Okay, let's just put it at, <laughs> And you don't have a good day whether you're shopping or hunting or fishing or golfing. I have a tendency to come home. If I've played, I've played a bad round. I've just, I mean, I just had a bad round. Lori's like, what's wrong with you? I thought this was a good, fun way to get out of the house. And you've come home. You are like, yeah, I, I want to quit the ministry. I want to quit God. 
I hate everybody. You know what happens? That's what happens in this way of being bothered by being worried. The Bible talks about this. The cares of this world choke. And even things that once were fun for you are not fun anymore. People that once were fun for you, you don't want to see them. Phone calls that you once took, you don't take them anymore. Conversations that you did not avoid, you're now avoiding them. And now you just want to stay. You want to do what the Bible tells us, and it happens to people all the time. You want to stay away. And you begin to attack. And then here's what he says to Mary. I want to tell you, he says, verse 42, but there's only one thing that's necessary, Martha, and Mary has chosen, or watch this, Mary picked the right route, which will never be taken away from her. Mary chose, Mary picked. Watch this. You and I have a choice, and you have a route that you can pick. And it's either the Martha route or the Mary route. And one is filled with confusion and chaos and your peed, or one is filled with peace. And it's a choice. And I'm going to give you these thoughts really quickly. How do we have peace? Because Mary teaches us how to have peace. Number one, Mary's peace came by being single-minded. The word is focused. God's in the world. God's in her home. God, watch this, Mary welcomed Jesus into her heart. Martha only welcomed him into her home. Anytime you read about this Mary, she's always at the feet of Jesus. Single-minded, which that means focused. What are you focused on right now? You will always go to what you're focused on. And when you and I lose focus, and ultimately, this is what Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God. And what happens? The peace of God comes because I'll take care of everything. But you're distracted. You are here, you are there. You're like Mary. You run from the domain. You go across the dam to the lakeway. They have another domain. Then you run up to Salado. Nothing there. And then, Lori and I went there yesterday. It's awesome. It's just quiet. A lot of trinkets. But take a trip because we have some people that have businesses. So please go and buy from them. His name is Asher. Let me say, in that single-mindedness, that means where's your face? Because where you're facing and who you face is going to determine how you face it. And then you're either facing your problems or you're facing Christ. And Martha isn't faced with Jesus. She's faced in the kitchen. She's faced in all of her work and all of her labor. And guess what? She is just out of control. And you and I, this is what Paul the Apostle said, Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, that one thing, I live with one thing. You better figure out what is your one thing? If I didn't have a focus on who I was called to be in Christ, if I didn't have a focus on my relationship to Christ, listen, ministry itself will kill you. But the world will kill you. Number two, 
Mary's peace came by being simple. Jesus is addressing Martha in her complexity. I think if Jesus shows up and just destroys it all, then fantastic, fantastic. But Jesus is dealing with Martha's complexity. Psychologists and psychotherapists will tell you. I read them all. And I want to tell you something. Most psychotherapists and psychologists that live in this space of helping people in panic attacks and anxiety and depression, their world is too complex. It's too filled with stuff. And you can't handle it. I don't want to jump ahead, but let me tell you something. You walk with that cell phone and you walk reading constantly. You're not supposed to know the stuff that's in that phone. We're not supposed to know all of it. If you send me a letter and you don't like our church, I don't read it. (laughs) And if you send me a letter saying you like our church, I don't read it. I'm not saying I don't read letters. But I don't read letters with nails in it. Unless it takes the air out of me. See, you're going to have to ask yourself, how do I want to live? Do I want to live more simply or do I want to live more complex? How many want to live more simply? It's why you're trying to leave the city. Every day I hear from one of our members, hey, we just bought 10 acres and we're going 20 miles away. We're going 40 miles away. We're going to have to start planting churches all in the country because y'all are leaving the city. You know why? You want simplicity. You were not wired to be as complicated as your life is. Can I get an amen from somebody? We are so stinking Martha in our mindset. And that's why life is hard. And you've got this coming in and that coming in. And you've got all this info and all of these things that you're dealing with. And you can't be anything but a Martha. And now you're blaming God and you're mad at people. And guess what? It only gets worse. The Bible tells us we've got to be simple. Now watch the scripture on this. 2 Corinthians. If you don't think the Bible has already addressed it, watch this. 2 Corinthians 11.3. I am afraid. This is what Paul writes. I'm afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds are going to be led astray from the simplicity and the purity of devotion to Christ. Paul was addressing people who took Christ and made him complicated. Satan is the author of complication. Satan is the one who inserts complicated this and complicated. He inserts all of these things. Well, Pastor Joe, if we really want to be holy, we got to start doing this, and we need to go back to tradition. I've had people say we need to go back and insert some Jewish things into our world. Paul says you're going to be deceived. Paul writes, who has deceived you? You got born again by Christ, and now you're going to go back to Judaism. we got to keep the Shabbat. we got to keep the Sabbath. We gotta... No, it's not about eating and drinking. It just gets complicated. Yeah, but if I do this and I do that, God's going to be pleased. No, 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 no. Satan loves to complicate your life, and he complicates religion, and he makes it hard. I've been to churches that have fought. I pastored a church fighting and bickering, and it's 100 members. And you walk into this world that nobody cares about anyway, and the The world of their church world is just so filled with politics. Have you ever been a part of a political church? It's hell on earth. 
And that's why when you look at our church, we don't have political nature. Because you know what? We've got nothing to politic about. You want, you want to be somebody in this church? Go serve. No, I want a microphone. Oh, no, you don't, devil. <laughs> the devil wants a microphone. God's people want a towel. And they want to serve people. And if we just serve anybody and serve everybody, guess what? We don't have any politics. We keep it simple. It's called KISS. Keep it simple, stupid. I didn't come up with that. The military did. And stay away from the P words. Number three, Mary's peace came by way of being silent. She sat at his feet debating Jesus. Is that what it says? No. Listening. That's why James says, be quick to hear, slow to speak. Let's look at that. He says, beloved brethren. In other words, what he's saying is, I love you, my brother. But I'm about to tell you something that you need to hear and be corrected by. Everyone needs to be quick to hear, slow to speak, and watch. Slow to anger. Let me tell you what happens. When you are quick to hear and when you are a person that is given to hearing and not speaking, you won't be given to anger. See, the anger comes because you are always having to be in control. And if you and I will do like Mary, she sat and listened and heard the word of God. And I really do believe that we are in a world that is just filled with voices again. Filled with people that think they're an expert. And I really do believe that we need to get away and we need to calm down. And we need to just, at times, the Bible talks about just sitting alone with God. The Bible tells us. Exodus 14 and 14. The Lord will fight for you while you keep what? Silent. The most powerful person on the planet is someone who doesn't use words. They just wait. That's why Jesus was not known to be a shouter or a screamer. He says his voice will not be heard in the streets. He just was. Though he was the word. Be still is the next one. Mary's peace came by being still. Maybe the greatest of all verses on that one is Psalm 46.10. Be still and what? Know that I'm God. What was Martha? She wasn't still. Out of control. Just nervous. Just constant. You ever been around people that just stop? God doesn't just order our steps. He orders our stops. And if you can't learn to be still, I don't think you're going to hear the voice of God. And the Bible says, just be still. Just, just stop. My soul, I love Psalm 62, 5. My soul waits in silence. My soul waits for him in stillness. I can stop. I can tell you the most productive times of my life and our ministry over the years and just in our own personal our own personal world has come when we feel like we're doing nothing. God seems to be doing everything. Maybe some of you have worked yourself into a frenzy and you're trying to make this happen and make that happen. God says, everything is happening except me. Let me have it. 
Let me hit this one. Mary's peace came by being scriptural. She sat listening to what? The word. Let me ask you a question. When you are right with the word, when you are in the word, what happens to your spirit? What happens to your mind? What happens to your life? Life begins to come. When you and I are in the Bible, I'm going to tell you, how many would agree the longer you live, if you've known God for any amount of time, how many would agree with me that the book seems to be the only book that makes sense to our world the longer this world goes? Because everything that is happening has already been said. And I'm like, when I read it, I don't care how bad it is. It's like awesome. Yay! He said it. He's going to be crucified. He's going to be killed. And the world's going to burn up. Yay! And he's coming back again. Yay! Why are you so happy when everything's burning up? Because God said it. It's awesome. He didn't say it's going to end in a wonderful bliss. He says, no, it's going to be pretty ugly. And things are going to get darker and things are going to get more horrible. But guess what? I'll be with you. See, if you don't know that scripture, you're not going to have peace. You're not going to have joy. You're not going to have hope. Because in his word is the only source of peace. Watch this. The unfolding, Psalm 119, 130. I'm almost done. The unfolding of your words give light. When I read your word, the unfolding or the turning of the pages of the Bible is what he's saying. I get light. I get information that I need. And when you don't have an open Bible, I'm just going to tell you, you're going to have a closed heaven. And you're going to have a closed mind. And there's going to be all sorts of red lights going off on the dashboard of your heart. And you're like, I don't know what to do. And God goes, oh, it's an open book test. Everything you need, I've given you a manual for it. How many are frustrated about your car or about a device at home? And you've never read the instructions. You're like, I don't know what's wrong with this. And you start throwing it on the ground. And all it took was a button. All it took was some information, a little bit of wisdom. But no, you hit it. You smash it. You take it back to Walmart like you've done for the last 30 years, wanting your money back. And the guy at the counter goes, all you had to do is. But no, you attacked. You blamed Walmart and you blame Ford, and you blame people, and you blame that salesman, and you're mad at God because he didn't tell you. And God goes, you chose it. You chose not to read. You chose not to listen. You chose not to be still. You chose it. You're getting, watch this, all the peace you want. You've got to pick the part that Mary picked. And it won't leave you. This part, he says, won't leave her. Which brings me to the last one. Mary's peace came by surrender. Come on, say the word surrender. You've got to understand something. You can't just say, go Jesus. I believe in you, Jesus. I confess you, Jesus. Bible says even demons confess Jesus. 
what demons don't do, what the kingdom of darkness does not do, is surrender to Jesus. Which means stop fighting. Stop carrying your burden. Stop trying to do it on your own. Cast all your cares. Let's read that scripture. In fact, Avery's already alluded to it. When you cast all your cares upon him, he will care for you. Mary had this world all of a sudden come to her, and she's told that she has a child inside of her. She is a virgin, and of course, all that goes with that is very complicated. But Mary said, Behold, the bond slave of the Lord, may it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. What she basically said was, I surrender my life. And God, I trust you. The word bond slave. In other words, I surrender. I'm coming under your rulership, your kingdom. How many have had or have paid for braces on a tooth or hopefully teeth? Somebody said, how do you know that the toothbrush was invented in Louisiana? Anywhere else it would have been called a teeth brush. But anyway, you'll get it. I'd like to use Arkansas, but I'm not going to be that guy today. How many know that that tooth or those teeth do not get straight unless they're in bondage? See, bondage is not all bad as long as it's good bondage. To be bound or to be in bondage or to have a yoke is what another word would be. Yoke to Christ means I am not my own anymore. And when you and I allow God to come and take, like Mary did, her womb and her life, she said, be it unto me, I'll be your bond slave. I give you the power of my life. How many know that when those braces hit those crooked teeth, things begin to get straight again? How many want your life to be straight again? How many want peace to come into your mouth or into your life? See, this is why some of you don't have peace, because you don't want to be under anything. And God goes, well, then you pick. You chose, and you will be like Martha. And you'll be mad at God, and you'll be mad at people. People won't want to be around you, because all you're doing is griping and complaining about church, and about people, and about life, and about the news, and about politics. Blah, 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 blah. And God goes, even I have a hard time being around you. Until you calm down, I'm not going to walk with you. But I will send a guy named Joe with a nail in his tire and a red light on his dashboard that if you'll say, Jesus, because it's happened to me, I don't want my power to be in my hands. I give the power back to you. I surrender my life. you got to be surrendered to be saved. See, what Martha did not do was what Mary did. Martha was not in the position of surrender. And I think most people are in this position. They welcome God. They welcome God in their home. They welcome God in their kids. They welcome God. Bless our home. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's wonderful. But it's just a sign if there's not surrender. And with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to give you this moment. And you don't have to bow your head. You don't have to close your eyes. 
You could open up your eyes and keep your head straight up. But I only do this because I do know that sometimes distractions keep us like a detour away from God. And if you're here today and you say, Joe, I do believe that the Lord has spoken to me. Not you, but I do believe that there has been, there's been, well, I'm just very aware that God is speaking to me today that I need to get back into focus and I need to stop and I need to get still and I need, I need what Mary had. I need that peace. But today I want to choose the road or the route or the way to peace. And that starts with you, Jesus. If that's you, and maybe today you've never asked Christ to be the Lord of your life or maybe there was a moment when you did, but you know what? You've become so perturbed and so filled with everything today God said it's time to sit and surrender. If that's you, would you just slip up your hand all over this place and say, yeah. It's awesome. Just like the first service. Hundreds and hundreds of hands. Because I'm telling you, I needed this message. Guys, the only difference between me and you is I preached this to myself about three hours ago. I've repented about three hours ahead of you. And all week long, I've repented. Lord, slow me down so I can hear have your peace and I know many of you love the Lord and you love God and you're not a Martha in the sense that you recognize the importance of Jesus and his word but how many would say I want to grow I want to grow a little bit closer to Christ let me see your hand all over this place here. and I do know that there's some in this room that have never surrendered and guys being religious is not a surrender You have to come to the place. Like Mary, you sit at his feet. And you say, my life doesn't belong to me, it belongs to you. How many are ready to make that ultimate surrender? If that's you, can you say yes to Jesus right now? And even putting your hand is a surrender. Even stretching your hand out is a surrender. It's a sign of surrender. Say this with me, everybody together. Lord Jesus. You came to this world so you could come to me. And I want to know you today. I want my focus in my life to be about you. But I know I'm a sinner. I know me. But you came knowing everything about me. You forgave me, and you gave me eternal life through the blood that you sacrificed on that cross to give me peace. You made peace happen for me. So, Lord, I take it. I welcome it. I receive it. Your life in me. Thank you for forgiving me as I confess as I repent, and I thank you, Lord, that I am your child. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, can we stand to our feet all over this place today?